0: Thursday, April 17th. It was warm
1: in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith, the boss of Stab
2: Brown, Chief of Detectives. My name's Friday. It was 11.36 a.m. when we got to the Greenleaf Apartment Hotel. Apartment 406. Yes?
3: Police
2: officers, ma'am. Oh, yes, come in.
3: Thank you. This is my partner, Frank Smith. My name's Friday. How do you do? How do you do, ma'am? I'm Ray Holden. I'm the one who called you. Terrible, thing, just terrible.
1: Yes,
2: Miss Alden. If you just tell us what happened, if
3: you please. Well, Georgia, she's made. Well, huh? Georgia was cleaning up in here. She finished the apartment, and then she thought she'd check the coat closet right here.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: She opened the door, and there she was on the floor. There? Yes. Dead woman. You can see for yourself. She's right there on the floor. It's terrible.
2: Where's this Georgia now, Missus Alden?
3: Downstairs in my place. It's pretty broken up. Must have been a terrible shock to her. She allowed a screen that must have had half an overhead on edge. I lived down on the second floor in the rear. I thought at first that something happened to Georgia. Oh, that girl's got a powerful set now. Yes, ma'am.
2: Who rented this apartment from
3: you? I need to ask that. I've got the receipt book right here on my apron just now. huh. Put a pencil on the page, let's see. And there so it is, Raymond Bartley. That's what he said, Bartley. You
2: know what Bartley
3: is now? No, I don't. And that's another weird one. You know what I mean. Ma'am. Well, look in the closet. Look around the places. None of his clothes. Nothing will even tell you he was dead here. has got another week to go on his rent. <laughs>
2: How's
3: that, ma'am? Well, he moved in a week ago. You can see here on the receipt. Wednesday, April 9th. Mm-hmm. Paid him two weeks in advance. And you look around this place, and it don't look like he's going to be around here anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you have any idea where he might
3: be? Oh, not the slightest.
2: Did he give you any indication that he was planning to move out?
3: Not the slightest, no, sir. I don't even have an inkling. I'll call the car here,
2: Joe. Okay. Better get in touch with the crime lab, too. Have him come out. Okay you
3: mind if I use the phone, Mr. Waldo? Oh, no, it's right there back in the hall. A little shelf on the wall. Thank you, ma'am. think Mr. Bartley did? you think he killed the woman?
2: Well, we don't know, ma'am. Did Mr. Bartley rent this room by himself?
3: What? I understand.
2: Well, did he register as Mr. and Mrs.?
3: Oh, no, sir. Just plain Raymond Bartley.
2: Do you have any idea who the woman might be?
3: Oh, not the slightest. I never saw before Georgia screamed and I ran in here. Uh,
2: did you touch anything at all in the
3: room here? No. I know how policemen work. I've heard all about that. Don't touch anything, department. No, sir, I didn't touch anything.
2: Uh-huh. On the way, Joe. All right, fine. Miss Halden, have you ever seen the woman before?
3: No, sir, I haven't. Never saw her before. Just took a quick glance. Terrible, just terrible, what they did.
2: What if you could give us a description of Mr. Bartley?
3: Well, that'd be kind of hard. Like I said, I don't pay a lot of attention to the people who live here. I just collect the rents and I go up there. Once in a while when George is sick, I come in and clean up. Sometimes I talk to him a little bit, but I, I'm not the nosy type. You know what I mean.
2: Could you tell us about how tall Bartley
3: is? Well, I have to think about that, too. I guess he's about as tall as you, maybe a little one way or the other.
2: How much would you say weighed?
3: Well, he's kind of a heavy-set little man. I, I guess he weighs about as much as my husband. That would be 200 or so. Mm. How about
2: his coloring?
3: Did you know? I oh, There it goes again. I tell you, officers, I can't tell you too good. Mr. Bartley was kind of a crowd melder. I beg your pardon? A crowd melder. You know, you put him in a crowd and he just melts away. You never pay any attention to him. You know what I mean. Uh-huh. As I can remember he had kind of brown hair and, and blue eyes, I guess.
2: Was there anything peculiar about him? Did he have any scars, any marks, anything at all about him that would make you remember him, make him a little easier to... No.
3: No, not a thing. How
2: about the way he talked? Could you tell where he was from?
3: You no, know, he's just kind of an ordinary man, nothing special.
2: When was the last time you saw Mr. Bartley?
3: I well, me not seen I think it was, um... Yes, Monday night. I, he was coming in. I was just come back from the grocery. It was about, uh... oh, six, six, fifteen. I said hello, and then he said the same hello. And then he went on upstairs, and I went to my apartment. That was the last time.
2: Did Mr. Bartley have any close friends in the building, you
3: know? Of? No, not that I didn't think of. Well, did he
2: ever say where he worked, what he did for a living?
3: No, not that I remember.
2: Well, how about references? Did he have
3: any? No, I didn't ask for any. You know if he drove a car? <laughs> it seems so stupid... Seems like I don't know the answers to any of your questions. I don't know about if he drove a car or not. We do not have any garages in the building. He might have, and I wouldn't know it. I just didn't pay any attention, you know what I mean. Well,
2: oh, did he get any mail while he was here?
3: Would you know that? No, sir,
2: nothing. All right, we'd like to talk to Georgia if we could.
3: Sure, I'll ask her to come up here. Poor thing's so upset. It's terrible. It's the first time anything like this has happened to me. First time anything like this has happened to the place. I don't understand it. I never bothered the tenants, never caused them any trouble. I don't even know this, Bartley. How do you have to do something like this to me? Why me? Well, I don't know, ma'am. Why her?
2: The crime lab crew got there and went over the apartment. Photographs were taken of the room and of the position of the body. In going over the room, the crime lab came up with a probable murder weapon, a cast iron poker standing in the fireplace rack. Brown hair, similar to the victim's, was found clinging to the metal. Dean Bergman lifted several partial and some full fingerprints from around the apartment and from the poker itself. He compared them with fingerprints of the maid and eliminated her as a suspect. He rolled the prints of the dead woman. Hers were eliminated from those found in the apartment. We talked to the maid and got the same story that we'd been given by Mrs. Halden. She was unable to add any information to what we already had. We talked to the neighbors in the building. None of them had had any dealings with the missing Ray Bartley. The woman in the apartment next to his told us that on the previous night at about ten forty-five, she had heard a woman's voice and a loud argument coming from the murder apartment, but she said she hadn't paid any attention to it. Two forty-two p.m. Frank and I check back into the office. I'll call Bergman see if he was able to identify the woman or make the other prints. Yeah, right. I hope he sends some good. Yeah. Dean Bergman, please. Hi, Dean, Frank Smith. Have yeah, you been able to make those prints yet? Ah. Uh, well, how about the ones in the poker? Yeah. Well, that's the way it goes, huh? Uh-huh. Right. Nothing on these of the women's or the ones he lifted from the poker. Well, that helps, does He sent them both on to Washington, see if they had anything. Yeah. Anything on him in r i Well, I called down there. They're checking him now. I can't understand it. What's that? Well, how you can rent an apartment to somebody and not know what he looks like? Well, like she said, the manager probably mind manage your own business. Yeah, well, I get it. Oh, all right, Friday. Oh, yeah, Lee. mm mm-hmm. Now, how about laundry, mind? Uh, yeah. how about the poker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that figure's done it. Yeah. Okay, Lee, thanks a lot. Anything? Mm-hmm. Well, he's pretty sure the poker was a murder weapon. Anything to identify the woman? No, not a thing. Never did. This sure knew what he was doing. Removed everything that could possibly tell us who she was. That puts us in a good position. Yeah. An unidentified body and an unknown killer. The report came back from R&I. There was nothing in the records on a Ray Bartley of that description. Three other teams of men were assigned to assist in the investigation. We talked with everybody in the neighborhood around the apartment building. None of the storekeepers had noticed the missing man. None of them could give us any further information. An APB was gotten out, carrying the name and description that we'd obtained. An APV was also gotten out on the dead woman. We checked with missing persons details for a possible missing report on the victim. They said they'd let us know. The newspapers gave us their help, and in the following editions, they carried pictures of the woman and requested that anyone knowing her identity should contact the police department immediately. Two days passed. During this time, several people came in and said that they were sure that they knew the dead woman... But they were unable to identify it. Other leads were checked out, but let us know where. The manager and the maid came in and went through the mud book. No result. Monday, April twenty first, nine twenty seven AM. Ready? Yes. Oh, hi, John. Hi, Frank. Hi, darling. You guys getting anywhere in this concert murder? No, not a thing. Well, I got a hunch. Maybe it won't go anywhere, but I thought you guys might want to check it out. What's that? We got a mitten report from San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. Man up there said that his wife had come down here to see her sister, said she never showed up. Yes. Yeah. We went out and talked to the sister. I she wasn't too cooperative. You know, like like uh, she knew where her sister was all the time. I checked this description in the APB. seems to me to match the description we got from both the husband and the sister. Uh, like I said, it's just a hunch, but I thought you might talk to this woman. Might be able to come up with something. What's her name? Let's see. Alice Mara lives lived on Hollywood Boulevard. You talk to her. See if you don't come up with the same thing we did. Yeah, what's that? She doesn't care if her sister's dead or alive. Frank and I drove out to see Mrs. Myra Allard. She told us that her sister had written and said that she'd be down for a visit. On the day that she was supposed to arrive, the sister had phoned and told Mrs. Allard that she wouldn't be out that day, but that she'd met some friends on the train that they were all going out on a sightseeing tour of the city. In talking to her, we got the same impression that she'd given John St. John of missing persons detail. We asked her if she'd go with us to see if the dead woman might be her sister. At first, she appeared reluctant, but when we gave her a full description of the body, she agreed to accompany us. She looked at the dead woman and burst into tears. Half an hour later, after she recovered from the shock, we talked to her in the interrogation room at the City Hall. Alice, no
1: doubt about it. It's just terrible. My own sister's dead. Oh,
2: I'll be try to take it easy. Would you like another glass of water, Miss Alice? No, thank you.
1: I just finding you dead. I guess I always knew that Alice would end up like this. I wanted it this
2: way, but I always knew it my heart. How's okay, that, ma'am? Do you understand that you have to know Alice? She's a
1: beautiful girl, a wonderful person. So mm-hmm. well, you said that you heard from Alice when she got here in LA, is that right? That's yes, right. She called right after she got off the train. What'd she say to you, then? Well, as I told you, she said that she'd make some friends on the train and they were going to go to see the town. Did she say
2: where these friends
1: were? No, just said that they were sure. going to pick up rain and go out in the town. Right. Yes, right, that's right, right. I had to call him when Alice didn't show up, but there wasn't any answer to the department.
2: Where does he live, ma'am?
1: Out in Hollywood. I, I think he's on his phone or someplace. I have his address.
2: Mm-hmm. Who is this, Fletcher? Well, that's
1: something I'm not very proud of.
2: Well, why is
1: that, ma'am? he's a friend of my husband. Well, not not really a friend in the real sense of the word, but well, it's sort of an sort of acquaintance.
2: Well, why do you say that you're not very proud of him? Well, that
1: it's all my fault. Well, I still don't think I understand them. The divorce. Alice and Tom were on the to of separating. Tom said he'd come to just about the end of the line. Alice told me they used to have terrible fights. And anyway, when she was down there one time, you see, I, I think it was about, about three months ago, terribly depressed. Said that she and Tom had been fighting for several weeks. A couple of times he'd hit her. can't understand it. I really can't. I told Alice I didn't believe it. She said, me the bruises all across her back and shoulders. That one night they were going over the bills, and Tom just seemed to go crazy. Started to rant and rave about how much they were in debt. Of course I knew mean, why. I told Alice so. I-, I said it was her fault for driving him, always asking for something new, something else. Uh huh. She said that she told him that if he couldn't afford to keep it away, she wanted to live, but he should just have to find somebody who could. That's when he hit her. She left that night to come down here. I don't agree with her, but I, I don't think anyone has the right to hit a woman. Yes, ma'am. Well, she moped around the house for a couple of days. Said about how she was never going back to him. I'm kind of sorry for her. Even though I do not agree with her. After all, she was my sister. Yes, ma'am, what we said. Well understand? my husband came home and he brought this Ray Fletcher with him. Met him down at the office. Ray yeah, what did you say, ma'am? Down at the office. Ray was for the same company. He was a steward on the ship that traveled up the coast near to Washington. Anyway, my husband brought him home for dinner. They said that we should all go out to eat. so we did. Mm-hmm. Had dinner and a few drinks. And then he brought us home, and he and Alice went on. Alice didn't get in until almost 3.30 in the morning. Oh, I think. That night, Ray was here again. You he and Alice went out that night. And for the next four nights in a row. Every night, out until all hours. Mm-hmm. I finally had a talk with her about it. Told her I didn't think Tom would like it. And that I wouldn't have her doing things like that while she was under my roof. That's when she told me that she was going to divorce Tom. That she and Ray were going to get married. Uh Uh-huh. I told her I thought she was crazy. She didn't know what she was doing, but there wasn't any talking to her. She saw her every day. Then she went back up north to get things straightened out.
2: I see. Well, did she follow through with her divorce plan?
1: Well, as far as I know, she did. She wrote me and said that she talked to Tom about it and that they'd reached an agreement that he'd let her have her freedom.
2: Uh How did he seem to take all this?
1: Well, so he called me one night and asked if I knew why Alice was leaving him. Didn't know about Ray. I told him all about it before. I thought that maybe Alice had not said anything about it. Mm-hmm.
2: What was his reaction
1: to it? I almost went crazy on the phone. Tom's a real jealous man. If he could have gotten through the phone lines, I think he'd have taken my head off. He screamed that I'd influenced his wife. That it was all my fault.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't you tell the officers from missing persons all of this when they were out there, ma'am?
1: I didn't want my husband to know about it. Too, true, I thought that it might be better if Tom didn't know where Alice was. But what he said, I thought it would be better if we never saw her again. What's that, man? That night, we had the argument on the phone. He said that she'd never leave him. We'd mm-hmm. see her dead first.
2: The description of Ray Fletcher Mrs. Allard had given us tallied closely with that of Raymond Bartley. She also gave us his address and phone number was an apartment house in the southwest section of the city. Frank and I drove over but found that he'd moved and left no forwarding address. We checked the apartment, but it had since been cleaned and occupied. Again, we ran into the same problem. No one could give us any information as to his whereabouts. We went back to the city hall and ran the name Ray Fletcher through R&I. There was no record on anyone answering his description. We contacted the shipping line where he was employed. May told us to pull his employment record out of the files and call us back. We contacted the San Francisco Police Department gave them the full details of the case and had them check on the movements of the victim's husband, Tom Hudson, as a possible suspect. 4.52 p.m. Frank and I checked back into the city hall. Hudson sure got a motive. Yeah. Well, we'll know more when we hear from the San Francisco department. Here we go. I'll check the book. Right. Anything? Yeah, there's a message from the shipping company Fletcher works for him. Wants you to give him a call. What's the number? You got it there? Yeah. Hollywood 26709. Oh, okay, I'll call it. Hollywood 26709. Oh, oh, 09? Oh, nine? Yeah. Ask for Mr. August. August. Right. Mr. August, please. Well, my name's Friday, Los Angeles Police Department. Oh, Police Department, yes, ma'am. Yes, he asked me to call. Mr. August, this is Sergeant Friday. you asked me to call you? Yes, sir. That's right. Raymond Fletcher. Hmm? When was it? Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much, sir. If you think of anything else, we'd appreciate a call. Yes, sir. Michigan 5211. Right. Homicide, huh? Right. Thank you, sir. Bye. Well, we're doing real well. What do you mean? Fletcher sailed for Canada this morning. <laughs> to the San Pedro office of the shipping company and made sure that Fletcher was on board the ship when it had sailed. The management of the shipping line told us that it would take about 24 hours before the tanker would make its first stop at San Francisco. We got in touch with the San Francisco Police Department and talked to Inspector Charles Sutton. He told us that they'd place a stakeout where the ship was due to dock and that they would await our arrival. At the same time, Sutton told us that they had conducted an investigation of the dead woman's husband, Tom Hudson, and that as far as they could find out, he didn't have the opportunity to kill his wife. They said that the records at the steel mill where he worked showed that he'd been on the job every day for the past month and a half. Questioning of his neighbors showed that he'd spent his time off working around the house and was seen each evening. Inspector Sutton stated that when Tom Hudson was told of his wife's death, he broke down and said that although there had been some talk of divorce, none of it had really been serious. And that this trip that his wife had taken to Los Angeles was to straighten things out with Fletcher. Hudson flew down to Los Angeles and gave a positive identification of the body. We got in touch with the captain of the ship that Fletcher was on and filled him in on what had happened. He told us that he'd placed the man under arrest and hold him in the ship's brig for us when they docked at San Francisco. Tuesday morning, 7.30 a.m., Frank and I checked out and flew up to San Francisco. We met with Inspector Sutton and Inspector Jules Zimmerman. They told us that the ship was expected to dock the following morning at 10.36 a.m. We were waiting when the gangplank was lowered. Yes, sir. I'm Inspector Sutton, San Francisco Police Department. Here are my credentials. These are Detectives Jill Friday and Frank Smith. They're from Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, you're the ones I talked to. I'm Cap Jackson. Hey, right, hey, nice Captain Jackson. Oh, Captain, know you. you. Uh, down the bridge. He's been there since I got your message. I well, wonder if we could see him. Yeah, sure. We can go down this way. All right, fine. Right. Right. You sure fucked up the man you huh?
0: Well, we're not sure, sir. It looks that way. Hard to believe. Why is that, sir? Well, Fletcher's been with us for several years. Good man, hard worker. I know he's been studying for his papers. He wanted to be
2: an engineer. Oh. I used to go by his room late at night on my way to the bridge. He'd be there reading and working on the papers. Sure, is hard to believe. Here, we go through here. Okay. Yes, sir. Of course, I knew something had to be wrong. Sir? Well, once in a while, I used to get together with Fletcher on shore. We'd talk about what he was studying. I'd try to help him with his seamanship. This trip, I called him. I met an engineer that I thought Fletcher would like to talk to. I've known the guy for years, just back from the Orient. Anyway, I called Fletcher. He told me he'd moved out, hadn't left any forwarding address. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't hear from him at all. Then he called me and wanted to know if he could stay at my place for a few days. Said he had some trouble at the new place. He was living landlady giving him a bad time. Uh Uh-huh. Did you say where he'd been staying? Yeah, the, uh, uh, Broadleaf, something like that. Could it be the Greenleaf, sir? Yeah, that's the Greenleaf. Said the landlady was a real crew and called her a miserable woman. Old Fletcher looked as if he'd been tying one on for about a week when he checked into my place. His clothes were a mess. Well, come on, it's down here. Okay, bud. When I told Fletcher about this, he was real arrogant. He didn't want to talk to anyone. Never seen him run like this before. Yeah. All right, Fletcher, police officers are here. Come on out. Come on, Fletcher, let's go. No, I'll go in. How about it, Joe? room's empty. A blockade of the dock area was set up immediately in the event Fletcher had escaped from the ship. All officers in the area began a search. The search of the ship was started. A check of Fletcher's cabin turned up several letters from Alice Hudson. In the letters, she told Fletcher that she was going back to her husband. We talked to the members of the crew who had been in the vicinity of the brig. From one of them, we found that Fletcher had been in custody as the ship entered the harbor. On the floor of the brig, we found a small strip of metal that Fletcher had used to pick the lock of the door. The search of the ship went on. 11.47 a.m. One of the seamen found Fletcher's coat on the forward part of the deck. It had been wedged in behind a lifeboat shot. The search of the docks netted us nothing. All we could assume was that Fletcher had escaped from the brig, jumped overboard, and then tried to swim to shore. Inspector Sutton got in touch with Captain Cornelius Murphy of police boat D.A. White. Captain Murphy and his crew began a search of the bay from the dock area to Land's End. All police officers in the bay area were notified of the escape. Captain Jackson furnished instance, with a good snapshot of Fletcher. Seven hours passed. The search continued. Apparently, Fletcher had made good his escape. Wednesday morning, April 23rd, we got a report from an officer in the search party that the body of a man answering Fletcher's description had been found out near Steel Rocks near the Golden Gate. Sutton, Zimmerman, Frank, and I drove out to Land's End. We got out of the car and walked the rest of the way. Watch the step, Frank. Yeah. Every time one of those waves breaks, it makes its legs like glass. Sutton? Yeah, Joe. You see anything yet? No. Wait a minute. I'll see if I can yell to Zimmerman. He can see it from there. Maybe he can tell us if we're getting close. Yeah. Zimmerman? How are we doing? You hear what he's saying? Ah, Wynn's carrying his voice away. He's waving his arm, pointing down below it. Now, wait a minute. Watch it, Joe. It's a long way down. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. See anything? A little after this next wave break. Yeah. There he is. You see? Wigs in down here? Yeah. looks like him. Hard to be sure with all this water, though. Yeah, I'll go down a little further. Take it easy, Joe. Yeah. It'll take a minute. Watch it. I'm all right. How about it? Yeah. It's Fletcher. Yeah, I'd better get the crew up here and pull him off. Yeah. <laughs> Must have been carrying just far of the current, huh? Yeah, that's right, Joe. They get mean this time of the year. Well, that does it, huh? Yeah, look that way. What's the matter, Joe? I was just thinking. Yeah? A rough way to die, is it? Sure is. You'd think he'd have known, wouldn't you, Joe, about those currents out there from Alcatraz to Angel Island. Some of the meanest currents in the world out there. Yeah, I know. You'd think a guy like Fletcher would have known better. Working on a ship, he should have known about that water. Or well, maybe he did. Oh.
0: The names were changed to protect the innocent. On April 23rd, an examination was held in the office of the coroner of the city and county of San Francisco. In a moment, the results of that examination. (laughs) Upon completion of the autopsy, the body was identified as Raymond S. Fletcher. The identification was made by his personal effects, fingerprints and the personal identification of Captain James R. Jackson. Further investigation showed that the suspect had rented the apartment where the body was found and that he was guilty of the murder of Alice Hudson. His fingerprints were checked and found to be the same as those on the murder weapon. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander,
1: June Whitley, Peter Lee. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking.